Uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, Randy, the senior pastor here at Church in the Valley, his son uh, was married yesterday. Um, so we're really glad for them. Uh, Randy's actually coming back as we speak. They're driving back from Texas. That's where they got married. So he's been gone the last two weeks to celebrate that. I, I have seen pictures, so it is official. Uh, they are married. So we're really happy for the Lanthrop uh, family as they celebrate. So it is, uh, it's a new year. All right. Excitement was electrifying. Uh, any New Year resolutions in the room? Not that you personally are New Year's resolution, but anyone make any? Oh, got two. That is double first service. I had one. So it's already looking up, guys. Um, this is the time where we look in our lives and decide, you know, what can I change about what I'm doing, how I look, where I live, what I do? And how, how can I change that? Change is, is important to us at this time. Uh, it is for me in my own life. I think, okay, it's, an, it's a clean slate, a lot of respects. How do I begin again, begin anew uh, this new year? Uh, and so it's very valued. You know, I, I Googled. I'm a guy that Googles a lot, okay? Uh, I Googled, you know, New Year's resolutions and... I just, you know, to start the, the year off negative, I just said, how often do they fail, you know? And what I found, it's interesting, after like the first week of a New Year's resolution, you know, 100% you're in, after first week it goes down like 50%, that, you're, that you still are doing what you decided to do. Okay, well, that's, that's half of us, okay? And then like a week after that, it goes down even more, and then by the end of the month, it's like 12% of people that made a New Year's resolution have actually kept it. Isn't that amazing? 12%. But yet you start that new year, it's like the new year rings and you think, I will change. And three weeks later, what gym? What? I didn't have a gym membership. In fact, I remember a few years ago, uh, my wife and I were looking to get a membership at a gym. And we went like right in January. And it was amazing. It, it was like the scene. You know, people don't go to clubs. They go to the gym. You know what I'm saying? New year. Everyone was there. And you're thinking, wow, everyone's here. I'm somebody. I need to be here, too. You know, you join. And then March comes. And where is everybody? And then now, you know, I don't even know where the gym is. You know, and that's what happens. We, we want to change, and it's easy to get pumped up about that as a new year starts. But, you know, it, it's really bigger than just looking differently or... Deciding we want to move or deciding we want to change something that we've done, a bad habit, or continue a good habit. What you find is, is that the real change that counts in every aspect of our life is the change that happens spiritually in a relationship with God. In fact, when we change that way, every part of our life changes. So we're going to take the time to look at how do we not become those people that set out to grow spiritually that, that fail like many of us fail with the New Year's resolutions, how do we actually make sure that we grow, that we continue to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ? So we're going to look at that this morning. There's an outline in your program. You can follow along if you'd like. There's uh, pens in front of you if you'd like to, to use those. I encourage you to do so. Uh, the first thing we're going to do is look at a passage that kind of talks about this process of how do we, in your own life, how do you... And how do I make sure that we grow? 
So what's our role in that? And then, what's God's role? And we're going to look at this verse in Philippians. It's also in your, your outline. Philippians 2 says this, uh, the second part. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. I want you to circle those two words, work out. Paul, the writer of this, he was a church starter in the first century. He's writing to a group of Christians and he's saying, continue to work out your salvation. That idea of working out, that's our role in our growth. If we want to grow, there's certain things that we need to do. And there's certain things that God does. And as both does its part, we actually change. It's more than just setting our heart or having an idea of how we want to be different. It's actually things that we can do and choices that we make. Uh, there's two other words that parallel that, and that's work that works in. Circle that as well. Second part says, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. This idea of working out your salvation, uh, it doesn't mean that you earn your salvation. Salvation is when you come into a relationship with Christ and he saves you from the path you're on, the path that leads to death as sinners. Really, the picture of working out your salvation, it's kind of like you have a puzzle. You have all the pieces in a puzzle. They're all in the box. And it's your job to put those pieces together, and it, and it creates this picture. Well, that's kind of what working out your salvation is. God has given you everything that you need to grow. And what we must do is take those pieces. And with God's help, we form a picture of what our lives need to look like. And that's really what, what Paul is saying. As we are working out... God is working in. In fact, what God works in us, the things that he does, we're supposed to work out whatever that is. And we're going to look at that. The first thing we're going to look at is, well, what's God's role? What is it that he does to work in us that helps us to change? So first thing is God's part in changing me. There's three tools that he uses. Uh, the first thing is the Bible. That's God's word. That's his manual for how to live the Christian life. For how to really live it according to how he has designed the world in reality. The verse says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This idea of thoroughly equipped is, is that you can handle whatever life throws at you. And the only way you can handle whatever life throws at you is Scripture. It gives you every tool and everything you need to survive. Now, if I want to change, I want the right tools to change. You know, if, if you, want to, you want to work out, you've got to have some way of exercising. You've got to have some plan to doing that. Well, the way that we work out and we get stronger as Christians is we actually read the Bible. We don't only read it, we actually study, we, we try to memorize parts of it. We try to look at the different areas of our life and what does the Bible have to say about that area. What does the Bible say about the way I should work, the way I should handle my responsibilities? What does the Bible say about how I should treat people? What does it say about my attitude that I should have to people, to circumstances? What you find is as you dig into the scriptures and you actually read it, you have a tool that applies in every area of your life. A second tool God gives us is the Holy Spirit. 
Romans 8:11 says, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. That word um, gives life to your mortal bodies. That's a word that means to vitalize. Now, this isn't just talking physically like we feel better, but basically your whole life is revitalized as the Holy Spirit helps you. This is a a powerful passage because it's saying that the very spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, Jesus Christ died for our sins and he rose again on the third day. The very power that enabled him to do that is the Holy Spirit and that power lives in us. What the Bible is saying is, is you, you want to change. You have the very power to change. And it's the same power that overcame death. That, that's encouraging. It's like working out and you, know, you have a training partner. And that training partner encourages you. You, know, you want to give up. I don't want to wake up. The training partner calls you. You need to get out of bed. You need to go to the gym and work out. You know, you do it. And the training partner encourages you in your struggles. What you find is when you, you have somebody that's helping you along... You succeed. See, the great thing about God is when we enter a relationship with him, he hasn't just given us words on a paper in the Bible and just left us to follow it. He's actually given us help to follow it. The Holy Spirit is is God himself helping us to change. Third tool. Actually, there's one more passage I want to read here. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, and as the spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like him. So not only does scripture show us things the way that they are and helps us to change, it gives us the Holy Spirit that helps us to become more like him. Uh, third tool, uh, circumstances. This is kind of the, the tough one. These are the problems, pressures, headaches. The tense times in our life. God actually uses these to help us grow if we allow him to do that. Isn't that kind of discouraging at the same time? Because it means that if you actually want to grow, then you should expect headaches, pressures, problems, and those circumstances in your life that you just wish would never happen again. Doesn't that sound appealing? A New Year's resolution to never face a problem again. It's not, it's not real. It can't happen. And in fact, what the Bible says is you should be glad when problems come because God is actually helping you work out that salvation. That could be think something goes wrong with your car. You have an opportunity to deal with that, that problem in the right way. Now, in my own life, I just got a hubcap stolen from my car. Yeah. Man, that was a pain. It's kind of like, you know, you see the hub, the, 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 the car, and it seems like it's, it's just different now. Not the same car I once knew. You know, and, and someone stole it, and it just, it just bugged me. You know, even that circumstance helped me grow. Cause it, it's a car, and it's a hubcap. Really, it, it's not that big of a deal. Do I have to remind myself when I look at the, 
right side of my car? Yes. But that's the point. That circumstance puts something into perspective for me. And God uses even a stolen hubcap to do that. And he uses small things and big things, things that hurt. He uses those as a way to remind us in our desperate times when we feel the heat, we change. Romans 8, 28 through 29 says, To those who love God and are called according to his plan, everything that happens fits into a pattern for good. For God chose us to bear the family likeness of his son. This is a, a paraphrase, but what I like about it, it says, everything that happens fits into a pattern of good. Notice it says fits into a pattern. It doesn't say everything is good. What it's saying is God uses this as a divine pattern for good. He will use that problem to teach you, to grow you, to bless you. I mean, it really doesn't make sense. But it's true. I've experienced that in my own life. Proverbs twenty thirty. Sometimes it takes a painful situation to make us change our ways. You guys experienced that before? We, we're on baby watch, the Barrett household. We're about two weeks away from our second child. And it's amazing. We've known we're having this baby. And the Lord has continued to, to grow the baby. And the baby's still healthy. And it's kind of like, you know, we've got to do certain things to get our house ready. Um, you know, you've got to put the, the bassinet up the crib, you know, clean, organize. We've known this for months, but we're two weeks away and we've been like on a cleaning frenzy the last two weeks. I'm tired. I'm tired. It's been one thing after another. Okay, we've got to do this. Let's do this. And it's like we have just renovated our whole house for this baby. Because it's time. It's coming. That pressure caused us to renovate. We didn't do that eight months ago. It's the same thing that God does spiritually. He renovates us. As pressure builds, we decide to change. One guy said, you know, we don't change when we see the light. We change when we feel the heat. Isn't that true? The baby's coming. Now it's, the baby's coming. You know, let's do something about it. And that's the same thing that God wants to do in us spiritually. He uses the pressure to cause us to change. It's amazing how he does that. Um, it, it usually is change. Change comes as, as we're, we're desperate. And that, that may be where you are today. Um, you, you just want something different. Or you, you just may, may feel apathetic in your relationship with God or it's kind of stale, stagnant. I get like that. Use this time this year, the first Sunday in January, to decide to set your heart to change, to grow. Let's look at how we can do that. My part in changing me, there's three choices that we all can make to grow spiritually. And you can't Google them and it be instantaneous. You just can't. First choice you can make is I can choose what I think about. Proverbs 4.23 Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. In the original language, heart is more than what we view heart as these days. You know, when we talk about the heart, it's usually like, I just knew in my heart. And it's this kind of ooey-gooey feeling. It felt right. Heart in Scripture is talking about, it's, it's not just your, 
your feelings, but it's your will, your emotions, your thoughts. Some people call it, it's like the cockpit of your life. You know, when you go onto a plane, you don't steer a plane from everyone standing on one side. Could you imagine? We've got to go west, and so everyone's east. No, it, it, a cockpit is the thing that controls the plane. The pilots put the route, decide where the plane's going to go, and it goes. And it only changes as you change from the cockpit. And that's the same in our own life. We only change the direction of our lives as we really look at our heart. Our will, our emotions, our thoughts, the things that guide our life. And this passage is saying, above all else, guard your heart. This idea in the original language is talking about guard the deposits that are being made. It's not talking about banking. It's, it's what's getting in there. You know, in my own life, I, I, the deposits are, okay, well, what do, I, what do I spend my time reading, looking at, listening to? What am I watching on TV? Who are people that I'm hearing? What is getting in? To my heart. And the things that get in the most is the thing that guides my life. So what scripture is saying is you need to guard that. Just like a cockpit of a plane is guarded by locked door, a pilot with a gun. No one is going to get in there. That's what we have to do in our lives if we really want to grow. We have to control what we think. You know, a lot of times we, we tend to think if we... We want to change. We just hope to change. We'll change. No, to change, we have to think differently. And as we think differently, we feel differently. And as we feel differently, we act. But it starts way back into our heart. That's how real change comes. Ephesians 4 puts it this way. This is kind of a challenge to us. Now, your attitudes and thoughts must, be, must all be constantly changing for the better. Yes, you must be a new and different person, holy and good. Clothe yourself with this new nature. Basically, don't stay the same. Don't allow where you are right now to be the place you are three months from now. The place you are three months from now, a year from now. Always be changing. And you do that by utilizing the tools he's given us that we talked about previously. Uh, Romans 12, too, this isn't in your outline, but... It really helps me see what this looks like. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Again, the mind is connected to this idea of our heart. What guides us. So how, how are we transformed? Romans 12.2 says, by the transforming of our mind. How is that transformed? By the tools God gives us. By the Bible, the Holy Spirit, and our circumstances. So you see, all these are connected. Our choices and God's tools work hand in hand. God gives us the Bible, we choose to read it. God gives us the Holy Spirit, we choose whether we're going to depend on Him. God gives us circumstances that are difficult. When circumstances come, how do we handle those? And so the, the two work together. Now, there's a slide I want to show you that kind of helps me see this. Uh, on the left is your heart. There's a plus and minus. I don't know if you can see it. That's, in our hearts, there's good things. There's bad things. There's good desires. There's bad desires. There's good thoughts. There's bad thoughts. There's a mixed bag in our hearts. 
you're not sure, what do people do when they cut in front of you in, in line? Why I oughta. You know, so there's, that stuff's in there. That's not going to change. But what changes is how we see things. Right there in the middle is perspective and values. Perspective is the way that you see life, what is most important to you. Uh, values is why is it important? Why is one thing important to you than another? For all of us, that's, that's different. But if you want to know why people do what they do, why people act, why people behave on the far right, behavior does not stand alone. We do what we do because of our perspective and our values. As adults, it's hard for us to see that, but if you parent young kids, you see it all the time. Like my daughter values getting her own way. And so when I say no, in her language, that doesn't mean no. Isn't it amazing? She's like bilingual already. No, no means yes. Or no means what? Or no means why? Bottom line is no does not mean no. And it's not just because she wants to do it for fun. She, she wants to do what she wants to do because getting her way is most important. That's her perspective. In fact, her value is getting her way is more important than doing what I said. And so she does what she wants to do. And God gives us kids to parent. So we help them see that your perspective is getting your own way is most important. And that will lead you to doing certain things. What you find in life is getting your own way does not lead to a successful life. It doesn't lead to a blessed life. And it doesn't lead to growth. And so as parents, we, we show our kids that. So I was thinking about that this morning. My, my daughter dumped her yogurt on her toast. And it just bugged me. It's like, I almost asked you, like, why why'd you do that? Like, what in your mind thinks that dumping yogurt on toast is a good idea? And I thought she's doing what makes sense to her. And then I thought, man, that's like how I am in my relationship with God. I do what I want to do. And I know God's thinking, why did you do that? Because I have a certain perspective and a certain value on why that's important to me. So if you want to change, don't look at your behavior and try to stop doing something or start doing something. Look at what you value. Look at what your perspective is. You want to know these things? It's, well, what do you spend your money on? What do you think about? What's the most important to you? Those things show you your perspective and your values. And that's where God wants to change us. If we really want to change, he has to change our perspective and our values. So that happens through those tools that we talked about. You want to change your perspective and values. The Bible has to become the most important thing in your life. That tool that God gives us, it's not just like an optional tool for growth. It is the tool. The Holy Spirit is not just an optional thing to depend on. He's vital for growth. What you find is when we don't make these things optional, we change. The third thing that you can choose after you choose to guard your thoughts and after you choose 
to depend. Oh, no, I'm on the second thing. Sorry. Um, second thing is I can choose to depend on God's spirit moment by moment. Uh, we're going to read a passage from John 15, which talks about kind of what this looks like. Uh, Take care to live in me and let me live in you, for branch cannot produce fruit when severed from the vine. Nor can you be fruitful apart from me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever lives in me and I in him shall produce a large crop of fruit. Some of you may have heard this before. Basically, the picture is if you're cut off from a tree, if you see a branch cut off from a tree, it's dead. It's dead. It no longer can produce any fruit, even if it produced fruit before. And this is the same in our lives. As we connect to God through the Holy Spirit, we produce fruit. This is the power that we have. It's that personal trainer that encourages us to do the right thing. That's what the Holy Spirit is. You ever wondered, well, how do I know if I'm depending on God's spirit? One of the ways that you can do that that's helpful for me is look at your prayer life. What are you praying about? The things that you pray about are the things that you're depending on God's spirit for the most. Because as you pray about things that are going on in your life, things that you're just fearful about, or you're, you're questioning, you're not sure what's going on, what's going to happen, what the future holds, as you pray about that, you're, you're turning to God, and you're asking for divine assistance. That's how the Holy Spirit works. He works through us as we pray for help. I've had these prayers before. God, I, I don't know what's going to happen. There is so much unknown, I have no idea, and I have no control. Will you help me figure out what step I need to take? Or will you help me to overcome this fear or this bitterness? That's how God's spirit works. As you pray, he helps you and you're connected to the vine and you can bear fruit. The third thing that you can choose is how to respond to your circumstances. Everything that happens in your life, you can't control. Most of the time, the circumstances that happen, you cannot control. But you can control what you do when those things happen. James 1, 2 through 4, this is a, a paraphrase as well. But it, great, it creates some good word pictures. This is James 1. When all kinds of trials crowd into your lives, don't resent them as intruders, but welcome them as friends. I mean... Does that just sound strange to you? The idea of welcoming a problem as a friend. You know, you bring them close. You're not running away from a friend. That's what the scripture saying. Invite them in as if a friend. Keep them close. Don't drive this away. Why? Well, it explains. Realize that they come to test your faith and produce in you the quality of endurance. But let the process go on until that endurance is fully developed and you become people of mature character, people of integrity with no weak spots. So God gives us these, these circumstances that are tough and he's wanting to build endurance into us. 
it's counterintuitive because it seems like problems are the, f- the furthest thing that we want in our lives. The scripture is saying, you know what? God will use this for your good. God will use this to teach you things you cannot learn any other way. Even if we see the light, God uses the heat to help us change. You may be facing something now, a problem in a relationship or at work, something that's just a struggle. Instead of asking the why, I encourage you to ask, well, what does God want to do to my character, to my perspective and values that we talked about earlier? What does God want to do to those? And how can he use this circumstance to do it? Because again, he'll use it for his divine pattern for good for our lives. So again, there is the parallel. God gives us tools and we have to choose to use them. And when we choose to use them, we can change. The, uh, the verse in James talks about, but let the process go on. I want you to hear that growth as a Christian is a process. Don't beat yourself up and think you're the scum of the earth. Because again, we've got to guard what we think about. Sometimes I get into the, I'm just, I'm not good enough, I'm the scum. Which is true. I'm not good enough for God to use me. What I find is when I just default to the Eeyore mentality, that's what I call it myself. I guess I'm just nothing. Do, 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 do. I don't do anything because it's like, ah, you know, I've got nothing to lose. I won't do it, you know. What you find is, is when you realize it's a process, it takes time. Just like you're going to work out. Get in shape. You want to get in spiritual shape, it's going to take time. Don't be discouraged by where you've been or how much growth you think you should have had. In fact, you're not further along than you thought you should be. Allow God to take you where you are right now and move you forward just a step. And as you take that step, take another step. Allow God to use the tools that he has given you. And make those choices that can help you grow. What I'd like you to do real quick for 30 seconds, those three things, either the choices or the tools, I want you to start. Is there a tool that you've not been using or is there a choice that you've not been making that we've talked about that, that, that you need to work on? Go ahead and mark that right now if you'd like. I won't ask you to share, but I'll share mine. My, mine is, you know what, I need to depend on, on God's spirit moment by moment. I looked at my prayer life and I realized that there's, there's just slices in my life I'm not praying about. And I'm really not depending on His Spirit for it. I'm just doing it, surviving my own way. Uh, there's some next steps on the bottom of your outline. Also, uh, on your connection card that's in your program. Uh, these next steps are really just to help you take that next step of, of how can you apply this to your life this next week. First thing is, Ask God for help as I make choices to grow. Specifically against discouragement or apathy, ask God for help. Second, uh, memorize Philippians 2, 12 through 13. Uh, it, it motivates me. It can motivate you. Continue to work out your salvation with fear 
and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Third is ask God to show me any areas I need to change. That thing that you start could be the first step. Or as you leave here this week, is there anything that you just need to work on? Ask God to show you that and he will. Let's pray together. Thanks so much for your care for us, God. That The fact that the God of the universe actually gives us help. You give us the resources and the tools to grow. And you're intimately involved in our growth. That amazes me. And I just thank you for that. Show us, God, the choices that we make that that may stunt the growth you're trying to do, whether it's an attitude, uh, a perspective that we have, a value. Show us if anything is, is not lining up. And God, we just want to grow this year. We want to grow individually as a church. And we just need your help. And so, God, thanks for what you've done in our lives and in our church. And continue to move us forward. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you.